This is Financially Tuned with Rob Burnett from Outlook Financial Center. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Rob provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. Your money and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Rob Burnett to help you find out how to be financially tuned. Welcome to another show of Financially Tuned. I'm Rob Burnett from the Outlook Financial Center. And as always, we have our trusty co-host, Tony Shore. All right. Yeah, great to be here, Rob. And I'm looking forward to this one. Great week. I've had a great week. And this is just the highlight. This is kind of the capper at the end of the week to do the radio show with you, Rob. But how have you been? How's everything going for you? Uh, We're actually doing pretty well. We had uh, last Wednesday, we launched... Uh, Outlook Financial Center with the Troy Chamber. We hosted an event they call Live at Five. It's two hours in the evening where people can come in, other business owners in the uh, the Troy area, just to see the facility, get a chance to know us, meet the business, meet a lot of other small business owners. And it, it was a terrific turnout. Uh, the Chamber actually did a Facebook Live with us. So I got a chance to... Uh, uh, talk to the mayor of Troy and, and talk a little bit about the firm and what we do and what we believe in. So that's up on our Facebook uh, site for Outlook Financial Center. We're just excited about all the good things that are are coming our way. Wow, that is exciting. I didn't know you did the Facebook Live. I wish I'd known about that. I would have watched, but I'll check it out on your Facebook page. Uh, that's very cool that you did that event and, and got to talk with the mayor about the business. And I know that uh, you've been really growing and expanding Outlook Financial Center. You got a great team in place there. And Rob, I think that's amazing. I know you help a lot of people. So what are we talking about on today's show? Well, today we're going to kind of looking out into the future. We're going to be looking at retirement trends to watch out for and pay attention to in 2017. I mean, you look at it, retirement today looks a lot different than it did in previous generations. And we need to look at the expectations people have for the retirement. Uh, They look back and said, well, this is how mom and dad did it. It's how grandpa and grandpa did it. Well, guess what? It's 2017. It's just different. And we have to be aware of some of the emerging trends and some of the new products and strategies that are now available to meet those emerging trends. So today's show, we're going to discuss those trends and talk about how you can use them to help you prepare for your retirement. Wow. Well, that sounds like a a very timely topic, obviously, kicking off the new year and looking ahead at some of the trends that people need to be aware of. I think this is going to be a good, informative show for our listeners. Now, for those of us who might be nearing retirement, uh, what is the first trend we need to be aware of? Well, when we talk about trends, one of the things we need to really focus on is the economy. One of the things I've taught my clients for many years, the economy and the stock market are two very different things. So when I talk about the economy, I'm looking at how people are interacting with it, uh, how money's being made in it, uh, how they're able to make ends meet in it. That's really when I talk about the economy, that's what we're looking at. As we look back to the 2008 timeframe, that great recession as we had it over those several years, that left a, a devastating impact on a lot of people's retirement plans. 
you know, 2008, the, the market took a significant nosedive. Uh, real estate of values took a significant uh, nosedive as well. A lot of people had to delay their retirements. You look at it. That's back when 401ks became 201ks. And people who thought they're going to retire six years later are still working. And, and look at college savings plans. 529 plans became 329s. Kids who thought they were going to Stanford ended up going to the local community college and living at home in mom and dad's basement. Mom and dad thought they were gone. Guess what? They're back. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, wow. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's happening to more and more people, and I guess it's not a laughing matter for some, is it? No, it, it really isn't. It, it's truly something that uh, nobody really uh, saw coming, but really what's more important is how are you going to respond to it because uh, not responding is not a choice. Yeah. Yeah, good, good point. So – the effects of the re recession, the the Great Reche Recession, they call it, from 2008. I think they call it the Great Recession, not the Great Depression from the 20s. Uh, but, you know, it was really devastating. But we've recovered significantly from that, right? We have, and that's the good news. The market's recovered, and it's even at new highs now. But just remember, that stock market recovery took almost six years for it to get back to where it was prior to the downturn in 2008. Uh, in many areas of the country, real estate's rebounded as well, but it's not across all areas. So another perk in this is that interest rates are starting to grow a little bit after many years of the Federal Reserve putting them at, at really next to nothing. Now, the folk, a lot of folks like those low interest rates. They fueled the economy. They lowered mortgage interest rates. But it made capital markets critical to small businesses difficult to access. People need to go out and get loans to buy equipment to expand their businesses, and they just couldn't get access to it. The normal, what we would call velocity of money, that's the, the banking institutions, the lending institutions, bringing in money and then leveraging that back out into the community really slowed substantially to the point that these large financial institutions said, you know what, it's better getting the, the quarter point, half point, a paltry rate from the Federal Reserve than it is to take a risk on lending to a small business. I think that was a major reason we had such a slow recovery is the engine of small business could never really get the fuel it needed to really take off because small business historically have been major job generators and have really fueled the economy on the growth side. So if you look at the, the factors that they continue going the way they're going, a lot of the damage that was done during that Great Recession are going to be made up, and retirees are going to be able to live again on interest rates from saving bonds and uh, their their savings accounts. But there is a second edge of that sword. In order to get that, you're going to bring back inflation. So the real name yeah. of the game is purchasing power. Economic growth needs to exceed the drag of inflation for any meaningful progress to be made. Well, and I think we're probably a ways away from being able to live on the interest from savings accounts and bonds, but we're headed in the right direction. That's what you're saying, correct? Uh, that is what I'm saying. And if you look at the efficiencies of the markets, the markets are most efficient and most productive when interest rates are really in a range of about 2% uh, to 5%. Above 5 then you start seeing a drag on the market and the market performance. But that's that range is where uh, the economy operates really efficiently. That's where access to capital becomes more readily available because banks and lending institutions can now lend to small businesses, take those risks, 
and do so in a manner that's profitable that they can go back to their shareholders and stockholders and say, we're doing a good job being stewards of the finances you've given us in the company. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think we can all agree that a recovery across the board would really be great for all of us. And that's still in process, especially those nearing retirement. It really would. And in the meantime, I'd advise the older workers to continue creating strategies on how they can generate income from their savings and and really get involved in tracking how much income uh, is going to be impacted if everything really doesn't work out. You know, what's their plan B? That Mm -hmm. way they're prepared if things take a turn for the worst. Um, You know, they're ready for it. Yeah. Well, that's smart. I think it's always better to be safe than sorry, as they say, and be prepared. What's another trend that you want to address? Well, another important issue is the issue of Social Security. We've uh, talked a a lot about that on the show, but if you read the report from the Social Security Administration, if nothing is done, they're saying that in 2034, that's, you know, 17 years away, the Social Security Trust Fund is expected to be depleted And what does that really mean? What it means is they will continue to pay benefits, but at 75% of what they were paying previously. So Social Security being a cornerstone for many Americans' retirement plans, they really can't just sit back and not put their head in the sand and just ignore this. Too many folks are just worried that Social Security is not going to be there for them, and it is one of the larger retirement concerns average Americans have. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it is. And you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to see this, but you really need help and somebody who is an expert and very knowledgeable like yourself to help you navigate through all this. And do you think lawmakers uh, are going to save the program so it continues for generations? I mean, they have in the past. They have in the past. And and what are they going to do? That's really kind of hard to say because it really is a tough challenge. But let me say this, and I say this in our workshops. I don't, I can't identify the congressman, the senator, the president, the administration that wants to be in charge when Social Security fails. Yeah. I'm trusting them and their own personal self-interest to make sure that happens. I mean, I know it's a, it's a complicated problem. Uh, they're probably going to make it a lot harder than it needs to be with trade-offs on tax hikes, reducing benefits, increasing the retirement age. There's so many different moving parts they can hit. We now have a new president. Uh, president Trump's promised not to touch Social Security benefits, but there are other proposals in there that would change retirement ages, uh, cut benefits uh, in some areas. You know, what's he going to do? I, I, I've read a lot of the proposals out there. I pay attention to this pretty uh, significantly. And in my opinion, there's a couple of ways that they can pass significant, meaningful financing reform to Social Security and have it be palatable to the general voting public. So here here are my two predictions. You ready for this? So this is this is Rob speaking. Uh, Your your mileage may vary. (laughs) Uh, I believe full retirement age is going to be raised again for people born after, say, 1980. Yeah. I think they're going to see a, a scaled up retirement age. It's going to go from 68 to 70 over a range of years. The second thing I expect, and I think this is actually more significant and, and would probably happen sooner, is right now payroll taxes for Social Security. If you make $127,200 or more, then your contribution, payroll tax contribution of Social Security stops. It's capped. 
I expect that to go away, just like Medicare went uncapped yeah. in 1994. Yeah. Now, who does that impact? Well, 127, 200,000 happens to be the top 10% earners in America. Since there is politically this desire to, quote unquote, make the wealthy pay more, this would resonate well with 90% of the voting population that mm -hmm. the, the folks making a lot of money are paying more. So this is really the one I would see that would significantly, I believe, extend uh, the finances of the Social Security system without getting cutting benefits, without raising the payroll tax. That would be a, a disaster and would probably, you know, pitchforks and, and torches in the streets <laughs> to get that to happen. Well, so, yeah, and they've, Rob, they've made adjustments before. I mean, I've read, oh, yeah. I, I read recently that they've made, there's been over 100 changes made to Social Security since it started to shore it up. And I remember, Rob, hearing that, oh, in 83 or 84, that's uh, then Social Security is not going to be solvent again. And that was I heard that back in the late 70s, early 80s. Then it was in the 90s. Then it was like 96. And then it was, you know, in the year 2023. And now it's 2024 or 2030 or 2033. Now it's 2034. So, I mean, uh, it's this has been rumored for a long time and about every what, five or 10 years, we hear, oh, it's, you know, this is this date coming up when it's going to be broke, the social security system, but they always make these changes to shore it up. Well, right? they do. And and the other thing too, is if you get into a strong growing economy, that's growing at three to 4% per year, the gross domestic product, that's going to flood the treasury with additional funds. It's going to put more in the payroll tax arena. So uh, an improving economy is going to extend that date as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. The final answer, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, unfortunately, our time is up for this first segment of the show, Rob. Uh, I know you have something you'd like to share with our listeners, though, before we take a quick break. Absolutely. Uh, there are several important retirement trends you should be aware of, and you want to make sure you take those into account when planning your what is your dream retirement. So what we want to look at is another trend for retirees, pre-retirees, is they're looking at, am I going to outlive my money? How am I going to navigate this social security that's becoming more complicated daily? How's my own savings fit into this? They're starting to reach out and looking for financial professionals and say, can they really help me do this? How much value do they actually bring? Well, we're going to offer our radio audience today a report titled Vanguard Research Quantifies the Value of Advice. Vanguard, founded by John Bogle years ago for many years, said you don't need an advisor, just buy your low-cost index funds. They did the research, and they found that a properly trained financial advisor doing best practices with good discipline can actually add 3% rate of return to your portfolio every year. So wow. what we want to do is provide our, our radio listeners with that report and let them understand what the value of advice that someone like uh, Outlook Financial Center can provide to uh, the average person getting into those pre-retirement years. So to get that, you can visit our website at outlookfc, like financialcenter.com, or call our office at 937-552-9990 to receive that report. We'd be happy to give it to you. Well, I think this is a great offer, Rob, and we should all take advantage of this. Pick up the phone, give you a call. Uh, what's that number one more time? Phone number is area code 937-552-9990. Uh, listeners, we're going to be right back with more from Rob Burnett 
of Outlook Financial Center on Financially Tuned. Good advice is sometimes hard to come by. That's why you should find a financial professional you can trust. There may not be such a thing as a perfect investment. Every financial choice involves trade-offs. It is helpful to have a financial professional on your side to help you organize your goals and have a better understanding of the pros and cons of any financial decision. At Outlook Financial Center, we focus on working with you to meet your financial goals and provide the advice that can help minimize the hazards you may face. Give our office a call at 937-552-9990 or visit us online at outlookfinancialcenter.com. Welcome back to Financially Tuned. I'm Rob Burnett from the Outlook Financial Center and, as always, our trusty co-host, Tony Shore. All right. Yeah, Rob, great show so far. Really learning a lot, talking about the retirement trends to watch in 2017. Great topic. It is. And, you know, when we look at those trends affecting retirement, we're looking at how did we recover from the Great Recession, problems facing Social Security, and, you know, what to do, what to do in the future. Right. So, uh, diving right back in, what's another retirement trend we need to be aware of? Well, one of the ideas, trends today, is people are continuing to work after they've quote unquote retired. Now, in the past 30 years, a lot of folks found out, well, they need to continue working. Uh, maybe because they didn't save enough for, for retirement. Uh, maybe they had some medical issues that drained the retirement savings they did have. So if we look at uh, the number of people in 1985 that were 65 and older who were working full or part-time retirement was just under 11%. But in 2015, we're now up to 19 and starting to go to 20%. So a lot of folks are continuing to work in retirement. Now, if you add that and you look at the labor market, we now have falling unemployment rates. We got a smaller workforce overall. So the demand for talent's not going to go down. So how is that going to play out for our retirees? Once again, it's a very interesting trend because we look at the, some other studies, uh, two thirds of the people now are planning to, to work in retirement. So that 19% is going to go up to closer to 65, 67%. Wow. Uh, these may be flexible arrangements. They may be part-time. Uh, but once again, and a lot of folks are going to keep working until they can't work anymore. So what does that look like, you know, both for, for them, uh, for their own personal health? What does it look like for the health of the workforce? Because a lot of younger folks coming up, if the old guys don't retire, then there's no room for them at the top. And then you're going to create some internal conflict at companies. And that's something that business owners go get to manage. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's one of the problems. I can think of a couple of, couple of other issues with this. Uh, I would imagine that it's a problem for those who want to work longer just because employers typically want to hire young people. Well, Tony, they really don't want to hire young people. They want to cut their labor costs. Let's be right. let's be straight on and honest Bottom about line. that. Sure. Uh, they want they want uh, the wisdom of the fifty year old, uh, the work ethic of the forty year old, the energy of the thirty year old, and the cost of the twenty year old. <laughs> I love it. That's I've never heard it put like that, but that is exactly the ideal employer right there that you just described. Exactly, and and so a lot of business owners. Uh, have to look at what's the value of that older employee. What do they bring to the table? And if they use them not only as you know, you know being productive, but bring bringing on that next generation, getting them prepared. One of the things I learned in the Navy is if you're indispensable, you're unpromotable. So you need to put yeah. yourself in a position that you can have somebody step into your shoes. And if you've done that and done that well, you can't be punished by your business for doing that. 
And I see too many examples of that. Yeah, well, you're probably looking at one right here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know uh, how somebody would take over my job. Not that I, I, I'm not saying I'm, I guess I am saying I'm irreplaceable. You know that, Rob. I mean, come on. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) uh, I kid. But uh, another issue uh, that I wanted to throw out there is, doesn't working in retirement affect your Social Security benefit? It absolutely does. If you are not at full retirement age yet and you start drawing your benefit and continue to work, if you make over uh, 16000 almost $16,920 per year, as you start making money above that, you're going to start giving Social Security benefit back at for every $2 over that threshold, you give a dollar a benefit back. Ouch. And you know, I don't want to give any of that money back. Especially uh, like half or, or more. That's insane. Well, well if, if you think about it, if the average Social Security benefit is about uh, $16,000 a year, and if you're still working in retirement and you make about 50000 you do the math, you're going to give back all your benefit, and you're going to take a 25% perhaps reduction for the rest of your life. So why take the hit and have to give it back? It just makes no sense. Right. That's not good. So what's another trend that we need to be aware of? Well, one of the, this is kind of a disturbing trend for me as a financial planner is more than half of the workers aren't covered by any kind of savings or pension plan from their employer. And one of the things they're studied, AARP actually did this study, that if an employee has access to a savings program with their employer, they're 15 times more likely to save than if they're left to their own devices. What we see is a lot of folks need some sort of external encouragement, if you will, to save for retirement. Some people are going to do it naturally. The bulk of the population has historically shown they're not going to do that. So the real issue then is from an employer's viewpoint is I would love to give that plan, but I can't afford to put that plan into place. Here's where education needs to happen with the small business owners. And I love talking to small business owners about this topic and would love to continue to do that. There are ways they can encourage that savings plan without having to put in a full-blown expensive 401k plan. There are other less costly alternatives that they can have that in place for their employees that benefits not only their employees, but benefits them by this is a perk that not everyone has and gives people a reason to want to stay particularly if you have a good performer and why would they name well we're going to this other company because they have a matching 401k plan if you have some sort of a savings plan in place that puts you in a much better competitive position to keep that talent that you really want to keep well i mean educating business owners on the benefits of encouraging savings by their employees for retirement i I think that's a good approach that's going to benefit both uh, the company and the employees right i mean uh, I think that's a great point you're making. So what's another trend affecting retirement today? Well, part of it is just finding good help to help you plan your retirement. In uh, 2016, the Department of Labor issued some new fiduciary rules that are going to impact the requirements that financial professionals uh, have to, how they're going to behave with the clients, how they now have to act in their client's best interest when it comes to giving retirement advice. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds obvious. Work yeah. in your client's best interest. Does that sound obvious? Yeah. Well, it's not required in our industry in all aspects, which is really what the Department of Labor rule mm-hmm. is trying to, to address. And we've got a new administration. They're taking a look at uh, this rule. We'll see 
if it stays in its current form, if it gets adjusted, if it gets delayed. But let's focus on the real question that this fiduciary rule brought uh, to light. The real question to focus on is who is the professional providing the advice actually working for? You're typically going to get your advice from one of three kinds of people in our industry. One, you may get it from an insurance agent. Good people, honest people, but they work for the insurance company. That's why we're called insurance agents. Second, what about a registered representative? Well, they work for an entity called a broker-dealer. Who are they really working for? They're required to work for the broker-dealer, and they can only offer what the broker-dealer approves. Or you can look at the third choice, which is an investment advisor representative. These are folks that have been living under the fiduciary rule requirement issued by the Securities and Exchange Commission their whole career. They've always had that requirement. And that's the thing that we operate under here at Outlook Financial Center. Uh, we're fiduciaries for all of our clients. We don't have uh, any other conflicts of interest. When you come in, you know exactly we're there to work in your best interest. That's how we're licensed. That's how we're regulated. We have annual exams by the state of Ohio. And I have to be able to demonstrate to the regulator that I have, in fact, met that burden that they'll look, pull a file, ask me, you recommended the following. How was that in the client's best interest? And I have to be able to defend that. So the whole purpose of the rule was to eliminate these conflicts of interest and really force financial professionals to work in the best interest of the client. Now, no, nobody works for free. Welcome to America. <laughs> right. And, and your financial professionals should not be expected to work for, for free as well. So the people who are demonizing people, charging fees, charging commissions, they're just being unrealistic. But those fees, those commissions, whatever the compensation package is, needs to be disclosed up front. The client needs to understand what they are. And then the client can say, okay, I'm willing to pay that because I think I'm getting good value for the compensation I'm paying that particular advisor. So that's what I really want to see have happen. Uh, I don't have any issue with any of the compensation schedules as long as they're done out in the open. And at Outlook Financial Center, we actually give our clients our fee structure in writing before they become clients. Well, that's so important. Now, we're coming up on the end of the show. We're out of time. It just flew by, Rob. Is there anything you want to add for our listeners before we have to go today? Uh, just uh, take a look at our website, uh, outlookfc.com. Uh, and uh, go in and ask for uh, the free report on the Vanguard Research Quantifies the Value of Advice. You can also give us a call at area code 937-552-9990. Ask for that report for our radio listeners. We'd love to provide that to you and meet with you and show you how we can help you uh, get you to the retirement that you really want and deserve and have worked for. All right. I think that's great. What's that phone number one more time, Rob? Area code 937 552-9990. All right. Well, great show today, Rob. And listeners, thanks for joining us. That does it for today's episode of Financially Tuned with Rob Burnett of Outlook Financial Center. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Rob Burnett at Outlook Financial Center. Call 937-552-9990 or visit their website at outlookfinancialcenter.com. 
All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Rob Burnett and Outlook Financial Center are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.